Welcome to all those tuning in to December's Southwest Climate Podcast. It's Friday, December 14th, and I'm here with Drs. Greg Garfin and Michael Crimmins, both climatologists and longtime contributors to the Climate Assessment for the Southwest, or CLEMAS, here at the University of Arizona. I'm Zach Guido, also CLEMAS contributor. In the next 15 minutes or so, we'll try to cover a lot of ground, including an overview of current conditions and a plunge into some of the nuances of drought such as our droughts in the Southwest becoming more intense. Uh, and uh, droughts always a funny thing to talk about on soggy days like today, but it, it, it is nice to finally see rain. It's been uh, about three months or at least since the end of the monsoon season since we've had a, a sprinkling here. Uh, and most of the region is also running at precipitation deficits. So uh, I'll, I'll turn it over to uh, Mike again, who, who gives us an update of, of current conditions in uh, Arizona and New Mexico, but maybe in the broader western region as well? Well, we're, we're covering snow-covered ground today, actually. So part of our podcast is, the, yeah, we're um, here in Tucson waking up to some snow-covered mountains, um, <clears throat> up to over a foot of snow in some of the mountains here, um, through southern mountains in Arizona and up to the White Mountains. They're going to be living up to their namesake today. And um, gosh, this is the most excitement I've seen in weather. And 30, 40, 50, 60 days. Feels like feels like years it's, now at this point. It's the only excitement. <clears throat> it's actually the only excitement. It's the only time um, we've seen pretty much any weather here across the Southwest in the last 30 days. Yeah, it's been it's been real quiet since the last time we talked. Um, it was uh, that strong ridge of high pressure that sort of plagued us across the Southwest. Um, it persisted through October, persisted through November. It looks like November is going to go down in the record books as the warmest on record here in Tucson. I think probably some other cities across the Southwest. Um, is that just an Arizona phenomenon, or is that broader? I'm not sure the extent of it. I mean, we we really were under the heart of that high pressure system that was was parked over us. So that I mean that that brought us into upper 80s here in Tucson for days and days and days on end, and and that that's starting to feel like normal um, to us. You know, this idea of having wearing shorts on Thanksgiving seems seems. Um, seems normal to me and it's it's not if you look at the historical record right and I think it was the it was the warmest holiday um, four-day holiday weekend over Thanksgiving in um, Tucson's over 100 year record so really unusual um, unusual run of very warm dry conditions very very um, strong high pressure and um, terribly boring weather from my perspective yeah so I'm I'm looking at the uh Western Regional Climate Center Westwide Drought Tracker, a product that I uh, strongly endorse here, a real good tool. And their uh, November 2012 uh, average temperature percentile is showing record warm across most of uh, central and western New Mexico up into western Colorado and eastern Utah, northeastern Arizona. That's a Big swath of record temperatures. It is. I mean, and we had there's if you follow any of the any of the weather nerds out in the blogosphere, um, there's people up in Colorado and Utah commenting about how the ski season wasn't going to be starting early and how miserably warm it was at upper elevations. So if you're looking to get an early ski in in November and anywhere in the Wasatch or the, the Rockies, it wasn't happening. So that actually takes us into the to the snowpack conditions, and I'm looking at uh, a map here that shows snow tell sites, which are monitoring sites usually at, at high elevations um, for most of the Upper Colorado River Basin. And while it's still early, 
mid-December showing um, most of the snow tell sites are recording snows less than uh, 50% of average. Um, there are a few sites that are right around average in, in northern Colorado, Front Range region, but, but that's not, I mean, we were talking before uh, offline about this. I mean, it is December 14th, so yeah. you know what? What kinds of conclusions can we draw from the from the dry conditions that, you know, for the most of the Southwest has has experienced since the monsoon ended? Not not much, and you know, given that uh, we're in this uh, ENSO neutral uh, phase, and there's been a lot of variability over the last um, four or five months, so we we really. Yeah. can't say a whole lot based on the scene today. Right. It's so early in the season, too. It, it's hard to get excited about big or little snowpack this early. You know, it's still, it, it's going to be really interesting to see how the rest of the season plays out. I don't think anything is set in stone. And, and what's the latest then with, uh, so uh, three, three and a half weeks ago when we did this last podcast, um, uh, the Climate Prediction Center had downgraded or had changed their earlier ENSO forecast from from a, a weak uh, El Nino to to neutral and uh, so what's uh, has there been any updates on on that in the last three and a half weeks as, as conditions changed? So the the um, NOAA Climate Prediction Center um, puts out a uh, an evolution of of the status of uh, of ENSO each week and. Uh, the last couple of these have been ENSO neutral, and we've seen in the subsurface ocean there was a, a, a pretty good packet, as it were, of warm water a month ago when we talked, coming across the Pacific at depth, and now it's cold water. So there's, <laughs> there's been some variations. I mean, if, if you, you sort of squint a little bit, you see maybe the beginnings of something La Nina-like over there off the South America coast, but it's been varying so much. Right. <clears throat> the, the models um, that CPC, Climate Prediction Center, has been using, um, they're, they're, still, they're still teasing out this dry signal across California and the Southwest, Arizona, New Mexico. <clears throat> I'm not sure what is causing that, but it's actually led them to put a forecast for Arizona, New Mexico of a shift towards um, below average precipitation for January, February, March. So the heart of winter, they're still leaning in this, you know, below average. And, and I'm, I don't know, I'm not sure what well, the signal is. Well, yeah, and, and if you look at their, their, um, their uh, forecast, their new uh, forecast system model, version two, is really showing a steep dive into yeah. La Nina-like conditions as the winter into the spring progresses. And is, is that, that's different than it was last month? I believe so. It I, is, it's actually a new signal. It's yeah. a, and it, there, if you look at the, the, the model output from their, their forecast system, they, prior when they were picking up on this weak El Nino, they had this, you know, wet stripe of um, above average precip through Mexico and coming into the Southeast, that's now gone. Hmm. in theirs but but again this is a it becomes a real um art when you actually start forecasting you're assimilating all this information and if you look at all the different models some of them are putting picking up on this dry pattern for the southwest and some of them aren't right, right? and again it's <clears throat> it's going to be one of those interesting winters that 
we may end up just having three or four events like we have today. And they, they could be of, you know, they're going to be of consequence. And we may still come, on, come in below average, so it'll be a successful forecast. But if they're well spaced out, you know, precipitation and they put down a little snowpack, there's going to be some benefit even of having um, just a couple more of these storm systems come through. There's a little bit of dissonance, you know, that, that, that we had just that hammering of Northern California with that, what we call these atmospheric rivers or, you know, Pineapple Express if you're living in the 80s like I do. Um, that was the way, what we used to call them, is these Pineapple Expresses. Um, that, those kinds of events don't really get picked up in these forecast systems. So you can have these extreme events come out in, in, in seasons and they're a major consequence to seasonal total. But the so, models don't really pick up on them. Yeah, so I was just taking a look at the, uh, the Mexican Weather Service forecasts and they're showing, uh, you know, major um, below average precip for both January and February. And that's oh, a pretty sophisticated statistical yeah. model that's updated uh, each month based on a, a wide variety of, um, of climate uh, for, forecast indicators, including um, you know, atmospheric pressure at various levels, pressure anomalies over different regions. And um, they have a pretty good track record there. Yeah, so this is something, maybe something new kind of coming up on the scene here. You know, we're, it's such an, we're such a whiplash from being so excited about a possible El Nino a couple yeah. months ago to now, you know, the dreadful you know, third year in a row of having bleak winters is almost too much to, to stomach. That's why I'm going to still be a little bit of an optimist here. <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's hard to stomach given the, the current uh, drought conditions, which, you know, admittedly aren't as bad as they've been um, in the past, at, at least last year. They were, it's not as bad as last year. But uh, it's still pretty, pretty widespread. If you look at all, all, of, all of New Mexico, or most of New Mexico has at least... Um, severe drought or, or, or worse, and, and most of it, actually all of Arizona has moderate drought uh, or worse. And I, I'm looking now at, at you know, comparing um, December 11th with uh, a month ago, and there's been a, a bullseye of extreme drought that's developed in sort of Maricopa County area. Um, and so, you know, the prospect of another, of another dry winter is it's not appetizing um it's a big deal i mean it, if we but yeah if we, yeah if we come in if we come in below average i mean really below average then you know we're we're nipping at the heels of some you know some record well especially i think especially for uh the the reservoirs mm -hmm. in within Arizona and New Mexico mm -hmm. that that would be uh, that would be especially for New Mexico it would be very grim very but grim. but the upper Colorado River basin you know this more northern storm track mm -hmm. you know that that could they could benefit they could you know, yeah in the upper reaches and and you know it's it's a month early before Two. they start coming out with their That's right, right. hydrologic <clears throat> forecasts and even those as the season goes on, get you know, gets better. So yeah, yeah. January first, I believe, is when they start issuing their seasonal uh, streamflow forecasts, and they do that uh, every two weeks and every month, depending on on the state. Yeah, yeah. So you know what you've seen with the last couple of storm systems over the over the last couple of weeks, um, uh, several of them have taken northern tracks, which has given 
you know, they fit with northern to, to me, which is above Arizona, right? So north, <laughs> north of Arizona, I mean, well, even, somebody in Utah, it's yeah. not northern to them, well, it's overhead, yeah. right? And so that, that's, you know, that puts down some snow, and then this, this um, the system that's moving through Arizona today, it doesn't benefit the upper, but we get some. So, you know, if, the hope is, is that you get this sort of equal opportunity as you go through the rest of the season, and you get some northern, northerly tracks, some southerly, and there's a good trade-off. So then you get this real nice spread of, of, you know, hopefully average precip with some good snow across the mountains from the Rockies down through Arizona and New Mexico. Yeah, so the, the interior. Interior. Yeah, I mean, right. California's got, they're got done. hit by that yeah. atmospheric <laughs> river. They're, they're doing all right. They're, and I, I argue that California needs to sit out the rest of the winter because I think that they, <laughs> they, you know, that's fine. If you want to get all of your precip in one event, that's, you know, your prerogative. But, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty much done. I know that they would argue that that's not a good way to get snowpack and fill up reservoirs, but... You know that's fine. I think it's our turn. In uh, interior west, in some of the southwest, really needs to step up here. Can we try to put the current drought conditions into some sort of longer term perspective, at least in the in in, in the last decade? Because it wasn't too long ago that I had a conversation with a few people about, um, you know, is the drought you know worse than it's been? It's it, people people have a memory that doesn't go back very far, and they and they tend to think that, you know. The current drought is is worse than it's been. Is can can you provide any insight into whether or not that that's true? Well, it depends on where you are, right? I think that that's a that's a real big question. You know, it, if you're in northern Arizona versus southeast New Mexico, I mean, the parts of New Mexico are they're seeing the all-time record, you know, lowest precip they've had at different time scales. I mean, it's just they're breaking records left and right. You come to Arizona, we've had, you know, it's been dry, but we've had worse periods, um, mm-hmm. even in the last 20 years. Okay, but there's been a narrative, I think, that um, climatologists and, and the science community has been discussing, and that is, you know, droughts or, or the weather or, or the climate is getting hotter and it's getting drier. Mm-hmm. And that, and so in my mind, you know, at least half of that is true. I mean, I think it's unequivocal that it's been getting hotter. I mean, you see those trends in, in everywhere and depending on almost in every time, time scales too. But, but the second part, is it, is it getting drier? Well, in, in terms of precipitation, definitively, it's, it's not. It's not getting drier. It's not getting wetter either. Right. But in terms of what we've been talking about in terms of aridity, some of the some of the recent studies are showing, yeah. And aridity is well, as measured by um, vapor pressure deficit, which is is something that folks that have been looking at the at the big tree mortality that we've experienced uh, in the southwestern U.S. Right. In vapor pressure, essentially, how much the atmosphere. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's the it's the um, the hand dryer. You know, as you blow, you as you raise the temperature of something, um, the relative humidity drops if the amount of water vapor doesn't change in it, right? And so it's you know it's our we interact with it every day with it's a dry heat sort of thing, right? As it gets yeah. more hot, then you have this greater deficit of or atmospheric demand for water vapor that can go into the atmosphere. You know, I think one one thing that's um, we're kind of we're a society obsessed with 
records and, and extreme statistics and those kinds of things. And the, the thing that's about drought, it's a creeping crud. And with the temperatures on top of it is that you don't have to break a record in a month or something like that to have problems. You can have, I mean, if we look at the, the drought stats here across the Southwest, you know, we've, we've been running below average winters in, you know, summers here for 15 years, right? And so at that time scale, you can have these drought impacts emerge and it, it feels sort of normal-ish or you start to lose your eye on what actually is normal. So the increasing temperatures, the sort of background, dry, maybe it's not the driest year in record, you all of a sudden have record wildfires or tree mortality or impacts to, you know, the end of this, the yeah. snow season or stuff like that. And so it's, I know we want to, we want to have, um, want to be able to claim that there is, you know, that this is going to be the worst in record, but I'd argue that it's, it's like this, let's think of this winter. If we come in just below average, that's a major consequence. Again, because it'll add up in the, in the books as yet, you know, another, you know, like nine or so in the last 10, you know, 11, 12 years. But that, that's the, the insidious thing about drought is that it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, stand up and roar in your face. It kind of gets you um, as a creeping crud. Yeah, I mean, in terms of impacts, you know, if you define drought by its impacts, we've had some really mm -hmm. severe impacts, no doubt about it. I think one of the, the really interesting questions to me about this is, what's the effect of an overall long dry period as opposed to these individual years that are intensely yeah. dry or intense and intensely hot? Right. You know, how, how much does that really whack the landscape and, um, you know, reduce the inflows to reservoirs so that it's, it's that much harder to recover in a good year? Yeah, and absolutely. It, it seems like it, for that kind of a, a, a question that the things like the trees or the reservoirs that integrate um, climate over a longer period of time that don't respond as quickly are the things that would, 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 would feel the... Uh, that, would be hit the heaviest from from a longer term term drop as opposed yeah. to the things that respond relatively quickly like grasses or or, or um, uh, other culture uh, yeah, agriculture, yeah. agriculture right yeah so just to, to wrap it up though I, I um, what I was hearing about this the sort of precipitation that you know over a longer period of time you know there isn't trends in, in that so it, it from from drought in that perspective it's it, the Southwest isn't getting drier, but when you when you take these periodic dry spells and you throw on, particularly during the summer, warmer conditions, you sort of have an amplifying effect of, of the drought. Is that a, is that a fair fair way to characterize it? Yeah, I think so. So you have this sort of trend in temperature, and you have these periodic ups and downs in precipitation. That when they when they overlap in certain ways, you can you can really. Go ahead. Yeah, and I, you know, I wouldn't just <clears throat> characterize it as warm in the summer. We've had a few winters in the last decade where it's we've had uh, warm spells in the um, in the springtime that have uh, wrecked the snowpack. They've eaten snow, so it, it sublimates into the atmosphere. It doesn't doesn't even though in the precipitation records you can see the snow fell, but it's not getting down into the soil, into the rivers, into the reservoirs. So and it's not just the summer heat, which is spectacular, mm -hmm. but even these warm waves in, in the spring can 
can do in the snowpack. Right. And, you know, New Mexico, that's part of the story mm -hmm. in New Mexico, and their reservoirs are pretty darn low. Bad shape, yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's a good good place to end for the day. We're running out of time. Pretty grim place. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I, I, we'll come back in a month and, and give you guys an update again on, uh, on where we stand and, and dive into some more nuances of of climate, climate impacts. Um, so thanks to Greg and, and, and Mike. And if you're interested in this podcast, um, they'll be archived in two spots on um, climus.arizona.edu and uh, the Southwest Climate Change Network website, which is southwestclimatechange.org. So thanks to all of you for tuning in and uh, hopefully we'll see you back again in a month.